just have to lift up those beautiful words and that beautiful song that the choir sang so lovingly and love. I was going to make up a new word. Love, you sang in such a lovely way. And when your hope is gone and you can't hold on, we will hold on to you. I don't know if you noticed it, but Marshall is wearing a couple of hats today, and Kyle came sliding into home right before the anthem started, and he's a most valuable player, one of many in the choir to use the baseball thing, and now I'm sure he's back upstairs holding a baby. So isn't that what community is? Here, take this baby. i got to go sing. It was um, about 30 years ago. I was sitting in church on a regular Sunday, like this one, when I first heard those words that were our reading today. That morning, a man I didn't know yet, his name was Cecil. He read those words from Theodore Rozak, and they cut straight into my heart. You and I, we meet as strangers, each carrying a mystery within us. I may never know who you are. I may never know you completely, but I trust that you are a person in your own right, possessed of a beauty and a value that are the earth's richest treasures. Afterwards, I went up to Cecil and asked him to share that reading with me, and he did. This was before ordinary people like us had email, way before. And so I still have that piece of paper that he gave me with a little note written in the margin. Several years later, when our first child was born and his baptism was held in that church, Tracy and I held him and said these words to him too. So I make this promise to you. I will impose no identities upon you, but will invite you to become yourself without shame or fear. I will hold open a space for you in the world and defend your right to fill it with an authentic vocation. For as long as your search takes, you have my loyalty. I often share this reading with new folks here because it gets to the heart of what we are trying to do here in this congregation, doesn't it? Isn't a faith community supposed to be all about reminding people of their own particular gifts and beauty, affirming them in their innate goodness and value? We are here, aren't we, to hold open a space where you can become more fully yourself, a space for seeking and for finding, where we say, for as long as your search takes, you have my loyalty. What I'm talking about and what we've been talking about all morning and singing about is companioning. Specifically, what I would call spiritual companioning. 
And this is key to what we do and who we are as a church community. Holding open a space where you can come and be renewed and restored, where you can touch your own hopes and longings, where you can ask the questions that you've always wanted to ask, where you can seek and find and more fully live into who you were born to be. It's been said already that this is our theme for this month, companioning. And I love that it's how we're starting off this new church year. I think Tori is to thank for this. So, thanks, Tori. You know, companioning is something that you all here are good at already. Do you know that? I became even more aware of your talent for companioning when we were physically separated all those many months during COVID. We found new ways of connecting, and we kept using some older ways, too. Some of you bundled up and went and visited folks sitting on lawn chairs out in their driveways. Even in wintertime, many of you took part in chalice circles, which are a beautiful way of spiritual companioning in a small group, and which, as you heard this morning, they're about to start up again this fall, led by Tori and me. Some of you came to the meditation group or the reflections group or the Wednesday morning writing group. All of them, things that we either started or moved to Zoom. And others of you used the telephone and the postal service even, at a time that was not the postal service's finest hour, to say to one another, I see you, I am thinking of you, I am with you, even as we are physically apart. You lived out those words we sang last week that always get me, drifting here with my ship's companions, all we kindred pilgrim souls. Isn't this a core reason you come to church? To find companions for the journey? Folks with whom you can share your joys and your sorrows, your hopes and your fears. You might say, you know, it's just simply part of being a good person to reach out in care and concern for others. And as Tori lifted up this morning in the invocation, as Archbishop Tutu says, we are meant and made to be in relationship with one another. And yes, there are still plenty of good places where this can happen. But from what I can see and from what I hear, people are hungry. People are hungry for connection and companioning. There's so much loneliness and isolation and fragmentation these days. There's way too much mistrust. You know what I'm talking about. You, you can have plenty of friends on Facebook, but if you don't have a companion, what I would call a soul friend, 
then I wonder if you will still feel that something must be missing. 25 years ago, the Irish poet and philosopher John O'Donohue wrote a beautiful book called Anamkara, a book of Celtic wisdom. Anamkara is Gaelic for soul friend. And this is what the early Celtic church called someone who acted as a teacher or companion or spiritual guide, a soul friend. And in that book, John O'Donohue wrote, with the Anamkara, you could share your innermost self, your mind and your heart. This friendship was an act of recognition and belonging. When you had an Anamkara, your friendship cut across all convention, morality, and category. This art of belonging awakened and fostered a deep and special companionship. A deep and special companionship fostered by this art of belonging. Do you know what John O'Donohue was talking about? It's what comes when you find yourself being deeply listened to, when you are seen for who you are, when you don't have to pretend to be other than who you are. This kind of spiritual companionship is comfortable with silence, with uncertainty, with mystery. It's simple, really. It doesn't require any kind of special knowledge or fancy tools or beautiful settings, but it does require the ability to be present. It takes time and it takes attention, which can seem rare sometimes in our fast-moving, multitasking world. A different version of this kind of companioning happens most every Sunday in our worship here. When you come forward and light candles and share your joys and sorrows. And then aren't we also companioning after the prayer when many of you come forward and light these candles silently while the rest of us bear witness? I sometimes think that these moments are the heart of our Sunday worship. I borrowed that line from Kathleen Norris because she said it about her little church in South Dakota and it's so true here, I believe. What I want to do is lift up this simple and humble vocation of companioning. It's such a quiet and unassuming act that you could possibly be doing it without even noticing. But I wonder if that's possible because being a soul friend does take time and attention and care and love. It takes some level of self-awareness, and so I don't think it happens by accident. If you would like to develop or further develop this capacity within yourself, you might want to check out one of the different ways that we are offering here to practice this kind of open-hearted presence and connecting. There's the meditation group that meets here on Tuesdays at 7. 
And there's the Reflections group, which is going to start meeting on Sundays again after worship, but also meeting online on the third Wednesday of the month at 7. There's the online writing group that meets Wednesday mornings at 8. And I'd say that the AA groups that we host on Sunday and Tuesday and Thursday nights at 7, I'd say those offer a vital and life-saving kind of companioning as well. And if this sounds like something that might be missing in your life, if you are seeking a soul friend, I hope and trust that this church might help you with finding this kind of companion. There are the groups I've mentioned already, and there are other ways and practices you might want to explore. There may be something new that you think of that we should start here. Tori and I would be glad to be part of that conversation and glad to help. And so we'd welcome talking with you about this. Just let one of us know if you'd like to talk. I do believe that we each have within us a longing for home, a longing for companions on our journey. I feel so blessed that 15 plus years ago, around then, you called me here to share this journey with you, to be spiritual companions on the way together, all we kindred pilgrim souls. So let us this month and this new church year be mindful of the ways we might companion and the ways we might be companioned. And so to that end, I offer you this blessing these lines written by John O'Donohue. I offer them for you in tribute and in gratitude for this place and for this community and for the companions that you already are and for the soul friends that we are becoming. May this be a safe place, full of understanding and acceptance, where you can be as you are without the need of any mask or pretense, or image. May this be a place of discovery where the possibilities that sleep in the clay of your soul can emerge to deepen and refine your vision of all that is yet to come to birth. May this be a house of courage where healing and growth are loved where dignity and forgiveness prevail, where patience of spirit is prized and the sight of the destination is never lost. Though the journey be difficult and slow, may there be great delight in this place. May it also be a house of welcome for the broken and diminished. And may we have eyes to see that no one arrives without a gift and no one leaves without a blessing, now and always. Amen.